WMMC HD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Can polygraphs, alias lie detectors, really help determine whether something paranormal has happened? If they can, what are the implications? And what's the latest news on the Reed family abduction case in which a polygraph test has featured? Well, hello there, and welcome to the 428th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, we welcome back, uh, we welcome back one guest and welcome a new guest who can give us some answers to these questions mentioned above. Uh, With us this evening, and familiar to our regular listeners, is Tom Reed, whose long family history of abductions, uh, many of them right here in New England, is considered one of the best documented cases in in the modern history of the phenomena. Also with us is Jim Morris, a polygraph expert with an 11-page resume, which we will not be able to read. Uh, Suffice it to say that Jim retired from the Knoxville, Tennessee Police Department in 1990 after more than 20 years. He was a major crimes division investigator and the chief polygraph examiner. Suffice it to say that Jim is a legend among American polygraphers. This is his first appearance on our show. All right, Uh, Tom and Jim, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thanks, man. All right, so Tom, let's start with you. Uh, For the benefit of those who aren't uh, familiar with it, can you give us the basics of the Reed family abduction case? Uh, Sure. Uh, It really started, uh, for us anyway, um, in Sheffield, Massachusetts. Uh, We had uh, an 80-acre horse farm, and over a span of four years, we had uh, three separate uh, uh, accounts that were not just um, that we had front row seats for, but that the... uh, uh, the neighbors and those in town and and um, and so on also uh, knew of and witnessed themselves. Uh, matter of fact, I think there were 40 to 60 uh, individuals at a country club, Jugend Resort, who also uh, had made uh, uh, statements and, and testimony at that point as well. And uh, my brother and I, um, we uh, we we were right there. I mean, we were in the in the midst of everything. We felt the the change in pressure, we, you know, it was very vivid for us. And, and uh, with that said, um, after 1969, which was an account that actually involved my mother Nancy, uh, my grandmother Marion, my brother and I, uh, they decided to, my mother decided to sell the horse farm and move. Uh, we still owned the Village Green Restaurant, which was on Main Street in Sheffield, but uh, we did move away from the area. And uh, about uh, maybe 18 years later, um, my uh, father uh, had a an interest in um, in politics and pursued his uh, aspirations in that respect. And uh, he was in office. He actually was backed by Senator Dodd and at that point uh, ran into um, uh, Robert Bletchman, who was uh, in 87, the, um, uh, was working with MUFON uh, with respect to um, putting together a symposium at the United Nations on October 2nd, 1992. And uh, at that point, uh, due to my father's pillar standing and, and uh, the case as a whole, after he um, looked into it firsthand, uh, didn't make mention of our case at the United Nations, although it was more on the, on the back burner, if you will. And um, and then in uh, 
2006, my father actually uh, took an interest in uh, documenting a lot of this uh, information, was getting ready to at least consider ret considering retiring, where he um, started grabbing all this information that he had from Robert and other friends and, and those uh, that had been uh, supportive over the years and giving him some information and was going to write a book. And subsequently, he, uh, we lost him on the same day, October 2nd, 2006. The CDC came in, uh, condemned the building, has been shut down ever since. And then, of course, in 2009, uh, my brother had a, an encounter in Brownsburg, which really fueled the interest in our uh, history. And, uh, and with that said, there's been a lot of uh, attention on the case and, and our, uh, uh, you know, history of, uh, of a first uh, of cl uh, close encounters of fourth kind or abductions, which is not a word I choose to use, but uh, yeah, it, uh, it, uh, it's been very busy for us. We've had a lot of attention on us right now. Okay. And uh, we understand uh, there's a debut on Canadian television tonight. We have a lot of Canadian listeners, and they would be interested in hearing that. I hope we're not conflicting with the time. I think we're about an hour ahead. <laughs> okay, good, good. So uh, that's on Discovery Canada. Is it uh, 8 p.m. Eastern? I believe it is. It, it okay. actually comes on at 8, um, and then uh, Stephen, Stephenville uh, will be at uh, 9. And I think our um, our, our story, our, our, our programming comes on uh Every other hour until 2 a.m. Okay. Uh, nine in uh, Atlantic time. And uh, that's always fun for us New Englanders. We cross the border. It's an hour, uh, hour later. So anyway. Okay. Well, check that out, folks. Uh, very interesting videos. We're going to be putting the, uh, some links to these videos, uh, it's promos and things up on our Talking Points page for this show. So check that uh, tomorrow. We should be able to have that done. All right. So next question. Uh, so, Tom, what led you to Jim Morse over here? Well, after the uh, account in Brownsburg with my brother, uh, 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 Steve White, who's also in the, uh, on the upcoming uh, episode, uh, was interviewed uh, for the show. He uh, had a 30-year background in law enforcement. He was a detective in Miami and, and now an active uh, officer in, in, uh, in the area and uh, took an interest in, uh, in the case and uh, had uh, spent hours with me over at my house as well as a lot of time with my brother. And of course, uh, like everyone else, uh, certainly uh, you start off as a skeptic, and I, I think that that was probably the, a smart thing to do. He's a very conservative man in a lot of ways. And it um, asked me to uh, if I would agree with well, taking a polygraph test, and of course uh, I didn't mind at all, except I had to pay for it, but aside from that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't mind. Uh, why not? I mean, I... Uh, you know, it, I think when you know what you know and and you speak from the heart and you know what do you have the what do you have to lose? I mean, uh, it, it it could only benefit us in the long run. And so, sure, I went down and I met with uh, with uh, Jim and uh, Officer White, uh, Detective White was actually there. And when I arrived, we spoke briefly. He introduced me to to Jim, and Jim sat me down in the room there, examining room, and we talked for. Uh, at least uh, my recollection, probably two and a half to close to three hours, and uh, he really got to know me very well, and um, strapped me in a chair and fired away. All right, so Jim, <clears throat> excuse me, was Tom the only one in the family tested, and what was the result of the test? He, he's the only one that I've tested. The rest of the Could you speak up a bit there, Jim? Uh, he's the only one I have tested. I don't know about the rest of the family. And, okay. 
All right, now you both live in Tennessee, is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, at the moment, Tommy. Okay. All right, Jim, uh, there are a couple of issues here. First of all, how does a polygraph work? Oh, that's a long question. Uh, well, it's a short question. It might be a long answer. <laughs> let, let me give you an analogy uh, that might make it more understandable. It's just like sitting at the, you drive down the street, you approach this red light, and you see the light turn red, and you think you're close enough to speed it, so you go for it. Uh, but you actually see it turn red and you ran it. First thing most people used to do is start looking in the mirror, looking over the shoulder, looking behind them, and it's just an automatic response. It's not something that you just consciously do. It's just an automatic response. The brain is taking over because you have developed fear now because you ran that red light. Now you're looking to see if any police coming or you're going to run over somebody or somebody's going to run over you. So your brain automatically has certain body functions to change to handle that stress because it doesn't change or change enough. That's what causes some people to have heart attacks and stuff. Now, once you get through that intersection, if you don't see any blue lights, you don't hit nobody, nobody runs over you, but the first thing you end up doing then is like exhaling. It's relief. And all that is is the brain is reversing the process. The brain's reversing the process at that point. It's putting the system back to normal again. And that's basically what happens when a person lies to a question during a polygraph. It's, it, the brain recognizes that as a th uh, threat and a fear, so it has the same body functions to change to handle that stress. And that's what I'm looking for when I'm doing the test. Okay. All right, now there is a body of opinion that polygraph tests have no scientific basis. I'm not saying I believe it, but have no scientific basis and are next to useless in finding out the truth. Is that accurate? I'm sure you wouldn't be in the profession you're in if it was. <laughs> uh, no one you're accurate. Okay. The, uh, actual evidence shows that the polygraph, if done uh, properly, is uh, between 96 and 99%. That's higher than doctor's diagnosis. Okay, who, whose statistic is that? It, 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 you can really find it anywhere, as long as you're not going to an anti-polygraph network. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, I have to tell you, Jim, that in intelligence training, we were taught to beat polygraph tests. And one, and one way, supposedly, is during the pre-test questions to, to pinch yourself, bite your tongue, or something like that, hard enough to cause the machine to react, but not hard enough to let the tester see that you've done it. Now, supposedly, the tester will assume that's the kind of response a lie will create. And what say you? This is, if the examiner knows what he's doing, you're going to be caught real quick doing that. Because, like you said, bite your tongue, put a tack in your shoe, all kinds of different weird things they've tried. Uh, all that pain causes pain. Pain is the easiest thing to see in a polygraph chart because it's so sharp. And distinctive when it happens, you know it's not a norm. And right now, we've even got equipment now that uh, detects countermeasures like that while doing the test. Okay. Well, actually, uh, this is 30 years ago I heard this, and the uh, instructor outranked me, so I wasn't quite sure if I should ask him, how the heck do you uh, bite your tongue when you're answering our question? But anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Ben's got another question. I do indeed. So does the polygraph indicate uh, what's true or what somebody believes is true? Okay, it's just, let me try to break that down another way. 
the, the simplest way to say is that if a person truly believes what they are saying is the truth, then they're not lying. Now, the, the opposite side of that is that the people that are in that state of mind are usually in institutions where they're not out here walking the street and taking polygraphs because they, they've got so many other problems they can't function. But the, the bottom line is if they actually believe what they're saying is true, then they're not lying. Okay. Uh, at that point, we're going to have to take a break, and I'm not lying about that. Uh, you're <laughs> listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. We'll be right back with our fascinating subject and our great guests, so stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries. I have to go. 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Well, welcome back. And we, uh, we're having a fascinating conversation with Jim Morris, polygraph expert, and Tom Reed, our good friend from several other shows, uh, who was the, uh, one of the victims of the Reed family abduction case, which is gaining in fame and is going to be featured tonight on uh, Discover Canada on TV. And what's the name of the show again, Jim? I don't know the name of the show. <laughs> okay, real. I don't mean Jim. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> Alien Tom. Uh, it's Alien Mysteries, I believe. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, so in any case... Uh, let's let's continue in that vein, Jim. Uh, we started a little bit during the break, and it really got interesting. The uh, the issue of of a polygraph measuring something that the person believes is true and does not detect it as a lie, because the person thinks it's true. And I use the example of from my school days of believing something about Byzantine art that was not correct. And if you had had given me uh, a polygraph test at the time, I would have said a certain something that wasn't true, but it wouldn't, wouldn't have magist- registered as a lie because I believed it. I mean, is, is that, am I describing that accurately? That would be proper description, but that isn't how we do polygraph, though. That's one of the purposes of the uh, pre-test interview, is that I, you give the person that's going to be taking the test the opportunity to tell you everything they want to tell you. Okay. Then it gives me a chance to ask questions and clarify certain areas. And then, like in the example you were just given, I'd probably end up asking you, says, okay, uh, have you ever seen that in writing? Okay. Said, no, then, he said, then you really don't know. So I would not ask that question. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. All right. So, Tom, uh, you, yeah. you mentioned that uh, an intellectual uh, misbelief, if you will, is not quite the same thing as something that has happened to you physically. Uh, would you mention that again? I, I simply feel that um, if if the question is directed at you personally, something that you did or saw or, or uh, experienced, and you can uh, believe something enough that you uh, could pass a polygraph and it didn't happen I couldn't find I wouldn't find that person as uh, reserved or grounded or, or normal I would imagine that person has some issues um, for anyone to be able to to look someone in the eye and be strapped to a machine and lie and believe it um, that's pretty much pathological and my and I think that would be something that would be easily spotted I'm only assuming here not my expert well, I do have to point something out because because Jim, in in his answer before the break, did bring this up that that anybody who's doing that uh, knowingly or not even unknowingly is uh, some sort of path, uh, pathological liar or has some sort of psychiatric problem. But I can testify, unfortunately, you know, having worked in psychiatric hospitals, albeit many years ago as a seminary student and as a grad student in psychology, that uh, the many of those inpatients are now outpatients. The uh, institutions have been closed. In many case, most cases, particularly in the Northeast, and the people are out wandering the streets, and some of them, unfortunately, are committing crimes. They hand them antipsychotic drugs, and off they go. So I don't know if that is entirely valid anymore as an argument that these people would be uh, um, wouldn't be on the streets. But but be that be that as it may, let's continue in our in our vein here. Now Ben has another question. All right. So suppose somebody's old and has forgotten things. Yeah, like me. Yeah. Will a polygraph be of any use then? I'm not. We're not saying you're old, Tom, but just, just theoretically. Just theoretically, yeah. Oh, the question was to me. 
That's to Jim, actually. Oh. <laughs> Stuck on the old Palmer. Restate your question again. Well, I was just wondering, if, or Ben was wondering. If, I was wondering. Yeah. Someone uh, was, yeah, yeah. Oh. Suppose uh, somebody's old and has forgotten things. Uh, will a polygraph be of any use then? If they've truly forgotten, then the answer would be it wouldn't would not show anything because they don't know that they're lying. Okay, it's a lie or the truth. Uh, if they say they don't know, they don't know. All right. Now, the, the, I, what I have actually done before is somebody comes in and says I don't know, uh, but you know there's there's so much background information and evidence if they maintain that I've actually gone and. and constructed an exam that says, uh, are you lying to me when you say you don't know this or you don't remember doing that? Yeah. All right. So uh, having asked all that, what did you ask Tom, Jim? Uh, well, let's say Tom was uh, an extremely long pre-test interview. Three hours. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And after uh, going through all that and... Uh, I finally decided that, you know, there were so many different issues uh, that the one thing I could be sure of, because he's most, most uh, if I remember correctly, the best information he was giving me was uh, had to do with the uh, 1966 stuff when he was a kid. So, and I mean, I mean, he gave me a lot of info on that. So I decided the best way, so that nothing else interferes, was to ask him if he was lying to me about that information concerning 1966. Mm-hmm. And the results was he was not showing deception of questions. Okay. All right. Could you remember anything specific that you you asked? That wasn't the question. Uh, that was, I see. Okay. Have you intentionally lied to me today yeah. about your 1966 experiences concerning the craft? Then another question is, in your statement to me about your 1966 experience on the craft was an intentional lie on your part. So, you know, regardless of the, the details, if he was lying about any of it, that's any. not the question, sir. So he told you the story during the pretest interview, and then on the polygraph, you didn't ask him just that one question. Yes. That's, that was the oh, whole polygraph test. No, there were several questions. There were several questions, but you can only deal with one issue. So I say, okay. you, you look at that, his whole story, there's different areas you could go to, but you would have to construct an exam on each individual issue. Because uh, for people that made their mistakes in the past, when you had some examiners that did not know what they were doing or whatever, uh, what we would call mixed issues, they asked questions about this and questions about that. But the results of the exam is based on, as a whole, so a person could be lying about one, telling the truth to the other, and all you're going to come up with your uh, results would be an inconclusive. I see. Because of mixed issues. Huh. All right. So uh, this all leads to the question of uh, the, the, law, the, not lawsuit, but the court case that is being proposed. Tom, uh, could you tell us about that? And Jim, maybe you can pipe in about how this polygraph test might, might contribute to that. About taking the information before a judge? Yeah. Yeah, we... Uh... I actually retained a, a law firm, um, Kessler, in uh, outside of uh, Knoxville, and uh, we've met on numerous occasions and uh, just kind of laid everything out. And 
And how this came up was that, uh, you know, there was a conference in Murfreesboro not long ago, and uh, I was there with uh, several others, um, and uh, the the paper had a reporter that was just very, uh, he, he made a lot of false statements that he interviewed people that he didn't and that sort of thing. And so I actually contacted a law firm for that reason originally. And uh, as we got talking, um, it came out that, well, you know, why would he make a statement and say that, you know, these were just uh, claims of these people when you were showing physical documents? If you're showing a document from uh, the Pentagon and you're showing a document from the from the uh, United Nations and you're and you uh, and so on and so forth, you know, why would a reporter, if he was a responsible reporter, uh, and be simply because of the subject? Um, Try to make a mockery of that just out because of the uh, the uh, you know the the tabloid subject that he might think that it is, and so I laid out all my information and and um, after reviewing it they felt well if you can get this um, authenticated um, and go before a judge um, they would have no reason from here on out to say that something didn't happen and you've got the police reports you've got the polygraphs, you've got reports from uh, reputable uh, law enforcement and so on and so forth. So let's see if we can't get it off, you know, uh, take it before a judge and, and have it ruled on. And that will put an end to, uh, you know, to these types of interviews, certainly when you've got something legal in your hands saying, that, yes, this did happen. Huh. Now, having been a journalist for over 30 years, I must say I, I've never quite heard of anything. I, I have kind of, but but what are the precedents for this? I mean, did the is the law firm going to take it on? Are they going to do this? Uh, what's going on with that? Um, uh, Paul. Yeah. My attorney is here with me today. If you're, if you're, well, she's the paralegal for the law firm. Why don't I let her answer that? Uh, all right. Sure. All right, Debbie. Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi. Actually, there are no precedents at all, and this would actually be making a precedent if we are able to get it done. And um, you know, we're looking into ways to see about it at this point, uh, actually because there is no precedent. I mean, as far as we know, it's never been done, huh. but which is why we're trying to see what we can do to come up with a way to get it done and get it accomplished. So as may, may I ask, I'm sorry, may I ask what level of court, you know, state court, federal, you know, what, what, how would you approach for this? This is still a question. We're, we're researching it and okay. uh, and looking into that at this point, trying to figure that part out because, you know, like I said, since it hasn't been done, there is no precedent. So we really don't know which court, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we actually thought about doing it initially, just going against the paper um, itself for having, you know, uh, incorrectly reported. But there and, again, with the freedom of speech and, and all of that, then that makes it kind of a problem. So yeah, yeah. It's to doing it a little bit simpler so that, um, I don't know if it's actually simpler or more complicated, actually. It's probably not a, a good way to put it. could be yeah, more complicated yeah. to a okay. different system. But. Yeah, when I was a young reporter, uh, days of yore, I was at the wrong end of a lawsuit on something. But uh, anyway, it's another issue. But uh, and the, the matter of these paranormal cases that we see all the time, this would be extremely interesting. So uh, that, that's, uh, well, that's something we'd like to follow with you, Tom, certainly. Uh, it goes without saying. Uh, boils down to really uh, if I may um, yes yeah. it's, it's a slander basically when you have if, if you were to do a, a, a presentation somewhere and you were a doctor or a surgeon and you were putting out 
uh, information that was uh, uh, valid and uh, legit. And you had uh, uh, someone come in with a chip on his shoulder about the subject, a disgruntled surgeon who was fired and decides to slam your work, um, no matter how you slice it, it's slander. And, um, and there's damages for that. But re with respect to the damages aside, you still have every right to call him out on why he did what he did. No matter how you do that, you're going to be in front of a judge. And at that point, if you can show that your work didn't deserve that, there's, I don't see how you could uh, you could lose in a court of law. Yeah, interesting. It's just this. It's just the topic is difficult for this firm to have a judge take it seriously. So that's the thing. So we were originally going after the Murfreesboro Post, <laughs> uh -huh. and, um, and because uh, there are several. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this on the air. Um, uh, well, be careful what you say on the air. There was a reporter then um, who claimed to have interviewed me, and he never spoke to me, never talked to me, and put in in the Murfreesboro Post that uh, something to the effect that he couldn't speak to me because I had just been abducted from the hotel room. That was this man's attitude, but in the paper. He actually wrote and quoted me when he never spoke to me. So we thought right off the bat, here's our opportunity to say, look, because at that presentation, all I introduced was tangible supporting documentation from, uh, again, you know, from everyone, from police officers to you name it. But they were they were documents, um, nothing personal and no right to, to, to say what he did. So Just this. This would be Just for my own curiosity, uh, Tom, was was that a, an opinion piece or was it a straight news story? Straight news story. Ah, uh, okay. Now that's wrong. Yeah, I'd say yeah, yeah definitely yes. And and speaking I, as a journalist, I, yeah. And it was the and the presentation was recorded. So if I give that presentation to a judge or my attorney does here, and uh, runs that, and then looks at the article, and says you you know why would you say that, and then I lay out everything that I have, how could I possibly lose that? Yeah. I don't think I could. But again... Lucky I wasn't his editor. <laughs> yeah, well, I am... Um, so we're we're moving forward with it, and they're, okay. they're just trying to find a very uh, a uh, sensitive way to introduce it so that it's taken seriously in the beginning. Okay, well, I'm sure everyone in the paranormal world will be following that. We're in contact anyway frequently so uh, sure. uh oh we've got it well we have to take a break i'm sorry we got so fascinated you're listening to behind the paranormal on cbs new sky radio we'll be right back enlighten empower enrich this is cbs radio's the new sky new horizons no boundaries
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. We are talking lawsuits, libel, and lie detectors. <laughs> okay. And our guest, of course, Jim Morris, polygraph expert. Tom Reed. Who libel is... is the correct term, correct, right? What? I'm, I'm using libel correctly, correct? I should know this. But well, I... there's a slight difference between libel and stuff. Well, we, we also have a, an unexpected guest, an attorney with us. Uh, paralegal. We could, par, oh, paralegal. Yes. Oh, well, my wife, Ben's mom, is a paralegal, too. So here we are. It's a small world. Anyway, I wanted to get back to Jim on a question here. Uh, Jim, with what score did Tom pass the lie detector test on this case? Well, the computer program that I use, which was built by John Hopkins Applied Physics Lab. Uh, it breaks everything from, uh, if it's in it within the passing grade, it, it can break it down to, I guess you'd say, how high it goes. Anything from uh, 91 to 100, in other words, you can't get no even closer than 100. And okay. his, I believe, will show 99. 99, that, that's, that's pretty uh, pretty. Pretty in the, much in the safe zone there, I'd say. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay, so, so Jim, um, all this we've been talking about gets down to the issue of how much use polygraphs might be in paranormal cases. Now, have you yourself ever tested anyone else in, um, in, in what might be called a paranormal case? Uh, someone who had a ghost or any other UFO things or anything of that kind? Somebody who saw Bigfoot? Or, or this, have you ever done anything like that before other than Tom? No. This was a first. Okay. But the same rules essentially would apply. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, I'm just wondering, because there are a lot of subjective factors in paranormal cases. It's not just as simple as, did you slug the governor? Or, you know. Um, and since you've done both ca- kinds of cases, in your opinion, what's the difference between questioning a paranormal witness like Tom and questioning, a, say, a criminal suspect? Or is there a difference? Uh, there, there's not a difference. Okay. Uh, like I say, everything has to uh, boil down to a single issue. And as long as you make sure that it's a clear issue, then it's, everything else is the same. So you have to word your questions very carefully. Yes. Okay, and it's only yes or no answers. Correct. Okay. All right. Yeah, I've never had the pleasure of taking one. <laughs> Supposedly they told us how to beat them, but I never had the uh, the opportunity to try it. Maybe uh, Maybe if we get together sometime, you can... <laughs> Well, I can see if the tongue it, thing works. Always keep the, mind, the Russians used to have a standing $3 million offer to anyone that could train an agent to beat a polygraph. Really? They never okay. paid. They never had to pay out. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, there's also the, uh, was it the National Enquirer has a standing, what, $30,000, or somebody does have a $30,000 prize for anybody who can prove the existence of ghosts, and no, no amount of photography has ever done it. I don't know what they expect. So in any case, okay, Tom, uh, getting back to your, I'm sorry? No, go ahead. I'm, I'm okay, uh, getting back to your case, uh, right. what is the latest on that? You've been uh, interviewed, of course, now on Canadian television, Discovery uh, Canada Tonight, uh, in about 20 minutes, I guess, or a little, little more. And you've been addressing conferences. Have you been out to Phoenix and this kind of thing? What's going on with your case, and, 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 and how is the word being spread, and, and what's, uh, what kind of reactions are you getting? Well, I, uh, it looks like I'll be in, in Roswell, so I, I'm pretty happy about that. As far as the uh, the media goes, um, 
yeah, I've just, it's been a floodgate. Uh, I've, um, we're speaking with Raw TV right now and, and uh, contact. Oh, we know them, yeah. Yeah, J3 Films and M2 Pictures and and uh, Monsters and Mysteries, you know, Wendell Moon and, and uh, speaking with uh, uh, Paranormal uh, Witness. And, uh, you know, we shoot again in two weeks with another, another program. So there's definitely an interest. And I think that one of the reasons for that is we do keep it conservative and we try to keep it factual and, and, um, and simplified and and uh and not uh make too many assumptions about things and we hold a lot back like anybody i mean you say too much it's not good so i you know we're focusing on certain things and i and i it's been really good we've been we've been treated very fairly and i don't you know that when we were on fox and the rest of it um i don't think we've ever really uh well we haven't seen some of the ridicule that you know you might have seen 10 years ago that that, that i i have to echo that neither yeah. have we it used to be rough for people, and we were very worried about it. And uh, but it's been it's been pretty fair. And as far as Canada goes, um, by the way, Toronto's awesome. I uh, I had a blast there. But I've been around it. I've flown over it. I've never yeah. been in it. Very clean. Very expensive. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard that too. It was thirty four dollars for a burger and a roast beef sandwich and a diet coke. That's worse than that. Worse than New York. Yeah, worse than South Beach. Wow. <laughs> so without the view, and without the view, it's cold there. I think we'll so, stick with New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, we have family there. Anyway, yeah. uh, now I wanted to ask, uh, get, get into a bit about your son. Now, uh, when you yeah. came up, we had a, a wonderful uh, afternoon together before you came on our Boston Providence station at that time. And uh, your son came with you, and we, you came down to our, um, our little uh, inner sanctum here at our home and all this business. And you, we, we just had a great time. Now, what, what is going on with your son? You tell us about his involvement in this and, and what, what, what's going on there. With the uh, program itself? Well, just his general story. Oh. And well, the program, too. Well, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of bowed out a little bit. He, he, uh, he was actually interviewed um, for this uh, Alien Mysteries, but uh, they didn't actually use any of his footage. Um, and uh, they actually cut a lot out, a lot out. I'm not in it that much. Actually, 90% of this uh, show is my, my brother, actually. It's really seen through his eyes. Yeah. And, um, but as far as... Uh, uh, chance goes he uh, you know he's really focusing right now on college um, I don't want to bore bore your listeners but um, but Jim will actually uh, remembers this he, my, my son believe it or not now there's a lot of um, uh, he was a quarterback at high school and uh, and so he knows a lot of people and he goes out and he's no longer quarterbacking for a number of reasons this being one of them but um, he had a, actually a gun pulled on him about uh I guess about eight months ago by um, some people in, in town here. And I actually reached out to Jim to see if he happened to know uh, uh, an officer I could call um, on because of this. But uh, so, you know, he, this is, uh, I don't know, uh, people are funny about this subject. And um, it was because of this subject? Well, a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was a, a quarterback and uh, an article came out in the paper and there was a lot of, you know. About the case. Yeah. Yeah. You know how it is, and yeah. my son, being a football player, is gonna, you know, he's you, you've met him. He's not uh, uh, rude or anything, but if no, he's got something, no, he's a, he'll say it. Person. Of course, you know, this. I think it was a, a oh, what was it, a, a Camaro or something? These two guys jumped out. It was unbelievable, but um, I think so. With that said, and where I'm going with this, I'll circle back around to your actual question, is that uh, he's kind of quiet about it now. He's focusing on school. Um, 
he was going to uh, pursue one. And he's, he's changed. He's going into. He's actually he's looking to be an FBI agent. Believe it or not. Really. Okay. He wants to go to criminal law, and uh, and uh, so we, uh, you know, we wish him the best on that. We thought we were going to. He was going to go in a different direction. He actually had a scholarship and decided to do something else. So, he, I think right now um, he wants to be himself and put this on the back burner and okay. uh, focus on his school and. And uh, get a nice degree, and uh, but he will be speaking with me, I think, in Roswell. Which okay. I... Well, what I'm getting at here, Tom, as you can imagine, is uh, there's something very special about him, and his the 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 one cannot help but make a connection right. mentally between the the genetic uh, circumstances or the genetic suspicions about your case. In other words, whoever this was was interested in the genetics of your family. Right. And then all of a sudden comes along this remarkable kid who has a brilliant mind. He has a very special presence. There's just something about him that's very special. And he, he stood in our conference, in our library, in our house, and he, and he was doing these incredible math, math uh, acrobatics right. in his head. And, uh, you know, what one does wonder if there's not a connection. I mean, what say you? Or, or do, well, you, you, had, do you, had, you care I, to talk about that? You had Michael Buckner actually tested him and found him to uh, actually score higher than coincidental chance, which is how he got his nickname. You know that? Yeah. And he was also tested in Miami and, and all through school. He's a 127 percentile. And, and uh, yeah, you – and the thing is, this is something else that I find also um, – interesting to piggyback on and where you're going with this is that it doesn't just simply seem to be limited to something uh, that some might consider to be uh, quirky or you know that type of person who's really smart but has no personality I mean he's got the athletic uh, ability he's got the he has the look and he's got the mind and every one of them just seems to be uh, at a level higher than most and and I don't mean that to be sound like any you know like the proud father. I mean, if you well, like, so am I. I'm always not going to bore our listeners. They're used to me talking about my my son. Uh, yeah, I'm so proud of him. <laughs> right, but at the same time, it's there, and you can't not see it. So That's true. Uh, so it isn't just that he's a uh, like a geek. I mean, he he's got a pretty good package here, and um, and so again, uh, one of the last things I want to see is to him deal with. Uh, uh, negative or mud slinging. Um, so I sure. bow out, let him bow out and, and, and remove himself for a little while and focus on what's important. And, and, um, and I support that yep. at the same time. Um, you know, he, he does speak highly of, of Ben. I don't know if they're still, um, communicating, but, uh, we will be up there again. So hopefully maybe this time lunch is on me, but, uh, <laughs> okay. No, but, I what you're saying, and, and there's something okay. there. Uh, right. we, gotta, we have to take another break there, Tom. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll right, be right back with uh, Tom and Jim and our, our, our friends here. I'm Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries. Jealous sky as we walk in. 
Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. I'm Ben, and sitting next to me is my father, Paul, and we have Tom Reed and Jim Morris on. Hey, no, sorry. None of that. We don't, sorry. We don't sorry. accept coughing on this show. Oh. Anyway, uh, so we were just talking of Tom's son. So as uh, – were we done with that topic or were we moving on to something else? I don't even well, remember. Well, we're in our last section here. Uh, did you have a question? Well, uh, not that I can think of. Okay. Well, because the implications being vast and we'll, we'll get into that in another time. Right. But I wanted to ask uh, Jim here. Uh, Jim, would you – I don't know if this is a question. Would, would you – because you make a living at this. Would you encourage others who may have had – paranormal experiences to take a polygraph test and um, how would they prepare for doing so should you recommend it? Well, it, it really depends on what the experience was. Uh, the more concrete action, in other words, you know, uh, say two people fighting, did you hit Joe Blow in the head? You know, that's, that's a clear-cut physical action. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's the easiest thing to test. Uh, as far as the paranormal goes, it depends on what they say they've witnessed or whatever happened. But the, the most important part is uh, getting a, a, a good examiner. Polygraph is only as good as the examiner giving an exam. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's true with a doctor, too, I guess. So, so you would say, that, so it might be accurate to put it this way if you think you have had an experience with a ghost, but you're not sure, the polygraph is not for you. Correct. But, but if you have had a concrete experience and you really, really believe that it happened, 
uh, and you have you need proof that then uh, polygraph can contribute to that. Second, so would, would that be accurate? Yes, sir. Okay, very good. All right. Okay, well, we are coming down to the last few minutes of the show here, and I wanted to give uh, Tom a chance to talk about his website and to mention the show again tonight and uh, whatever else is going on. Thanks, Paul. Um, actually, the website is uh, uh, tomreed.info, and I actually have uh, uploaded, uh, I found a, a link on YouTube from the, uh, the Alien Mysteries uh, interview, and, and um, I know that does air in about 10 minutes in Canada, I believe. Uh, but uh, I, th I heard uh, while I was in, uh, in Discovery corporate office up there that it looked like it was going to be um, airing March 11th in the United States. So um, originally, or at least up until a couple of days ago, they didn't have dates for uh, the U.S. yet. But I do understand that there's early talk of it airing on March 11th here in the U.S. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's, and again, the name of it is Alien Mysteries. That's uh, and this yeah, is the the debut of of that series, I believe. Isn't yeah, it? and I've had an opportunity to to view more than one episode. And uh, quite honestly, you know, you have a it, you know, like any show, you know, they have some fun with it. But oddly enough, um, all in all, it was actually both segments I saw um, uh, uh, Stephenville, uh, Texas, and uh, they were done well. And and. Um, I think it's going to take off. I think it's actually going to uh, do very well. Oh, very good. Okay. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us this evening. And uh, we will uh, just one more minute, if you would, uh, Tom. Uh, what, what's your website and what, uh, what can people find there? Uh, well, it's uh, www.tomreed.info. And for the most part, um, it's actually under construction, but I am going to be loading a lot more of the documents that I have, the tangibles, there's going to be pages and pages of, of what, uh, you know, we have to support our, our case and, um, some sketches, there's some sketches I drew as a child and, and that sort of thing. And, and, um, and some links to interviews and probably one of yours as well. And, and, uh, just a little bit of everything. And, Great. Okay. Excellent. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. And thank you, Jim. Uh, it was good to make your acquaintance and Tom, uh, let us know next time you're going to be in new England. We'll get together again. Sounds fantastic. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Very good. Take care. Welcome. Good night, okay. Jay. All right. Now we have time, I think, for one very, or do we? We have four minutes. We have four minutes. We have time for one very quick email. All right. This is from Mark Wayman in Windsor, Ontario, speaking of Canada. All righty. So Mark writes to us. That was a great show you guys did with uh, Linda Moulton Howe on strange noises from the sky. I was surprised that you didn't ask her if they were coming from uh, alternate universes. Do you think they could be? Uh, why would they be? And what is going on with these noises, uh, the latest news? Well, that was, that was not a short question at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the shortest one we've got. We're going to be doing an open line show tomorrow night. But in any case, uh, I think they could be a mark coming. Well, we don't really ask her that because, well, there's a number of reasons why we don't ask her. Well, Linda is a reporter. She, get, she gets on and she... she, she uh, speaks articulately and she, we just kind of let, let her keep going because she, she's very clear and uh, we don't ask her a lot of questions because she kind of anticipates the answers already. Yeah. Uh, this show, I wish I had noted the date of this show, but it is uh, check in the 2012 folks uh, on the podcast page of 2012 podcast page of behindtheparanormal.com and you'll certainly find um, the uh, podcast for that. But yeah, I think uh, I think Mark, it certainly could be uh, for a uh, coming from parallel universes, which is why perhaps we don't find any evidence of 
them coming from anywhere that we know about here in most cases. Uh, as far as what the noises are, regardless of where they're from, I mean, who knows? I mean, I, during that show, we were talking about how they, they sounded to me kind of metallic at times, uh, especially the ones recorded in the Ukraine. Uh, others seem to be coming from uh, no particular area and reminded me of what is known as the Taos hum and other other phenomena of that kind. Yeah. So, uh, again, it's an open question, but uh, we're going to stay on that subject, so stay tuned on that, and we'll see what else we can find out. Uh, I'd like to know whether they're continuing or increasing. Uh, it was leading up to 2012. December 21st was supposed to be a big deal, and I don't know whether they stopped or whether they had anything to do with that or whatever. Yeah, whatever. So, in any case, uh, we will continue to look on that, look in on that. Now, uh, let's see. We've got uh, Barnes & Noble e-reader and Kindle uh, for my books, certainly. Uh, Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, and Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, and a few others that are not about the paranormal, so you want to check out those. Also, check out BehindTheParanormal.com. That is our main website, and we certainly have information on guests, past, present, and future. Uh, nearly 450 free podcasts at this point. You're skipping so ahead here. There's a lot to see. What? I said you're skipping ahead to the podcast. What did I miss? You skipped ahead. I did? Yes. Okay. Well, I like to skip. Hey, I'm still spry. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> All right. So, so, anyway. so many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson. And we will see you right here next week, March 10th, when my dad and I will offer an open line show on any paranormal topic our listeners can bring up. So use the question uh, form at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, or write to Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com, or if my email gets fixed within the near future, Ben at BehindTheParanormal.com. Well, give it a shot. Uh, we do ask you to tell us where you're from. We very often have uh, people who are uh, mental health professionals or, or doctors who just are terrified of writing to the show and just say they're from U.S. or Canada or somewhere. But just you know, try to be a little more specific. We will not use your name on the air, your full name, unless you uh, advise us that we can. Anyway, in the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time show on WON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com at 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Monday. And again, check out those podcasts. And we leave you this evening with a thought from American author Norton Juster. Quote, just because you can never reach it doesn't mean that it's not worth looking for. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time.